Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, she gets inspiration from before and after photos about anything, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist. I'm excited to be chatting with you today. It's a lovely day outside from where I am anyway. And we just passed over kind of like a really shocking winter. You know, where I am, it doesn't snow every year, and but when it does, it's quite lovely. And so this year, not only once, but twice, our city, Vancouver, British Columbia, we experienced two snowfalls. One was in the first half of January, and the other one was in February, which is very unusual for us. So I was very, uh, very pleased to see that, although it did stop traffic, but um, it allowed me to stay home and and to record more podcast episodes, of course, and to really f- reflect on the year ahead. Now, I don't just reflect on the year ahead in January, but I also reflect on it in the fall of the previous year, you know, because usually, you know, most people spend the the Christmas and the holidays winding down the year, closing things down, slowing things down, taking a break, and then vamping back up in January. I do rest over Christmas, but I also like to plan ahead because you know, I find that for myself, when I rest too long over the holidays, it's hard for me to get back into that rhythm and the momentum I had when January hits, right? And and you know, of course, since I'm Chinese, I have two chances that I always joke about this. We have the Western New Year, which is January 1st, and there's also the Chinese New Year. So I always joke and say that, well, if the if the Gregorian calendar, the New Year on, on January 1st, if um, there was things that I wish could work out better, then I have a second chance at that in the Lunar New Year. <laughs> and it's, of course, all, all, all a joke, well-meaning, but just something I wanted to share. And so this is, is a great segue in what I wanted to talk about today. Today, I want to talk about high performance. I mean, this is a subject that is really popular, of course, in the entrepreneurial space, but it's also gaining a lot of traction in the career space as well, in the corporate space. And high performance is something that is desirable, not just on the standpoint of, well, I want to get noticed. I know I want to achieve things and I want people to notice it so that I can get promoted or be rewarded or or feel like a sense of accomplishment. But high performance is really a way to serve at your highest potential, right? I mean, we all have skills and gifts and talents and we all have experiences that we put in our years that allow us to put out there into the world a contribution that's meaningful and also that is meaningful to those who receive it right so being a high performer doesn't just that doesn't just mean that it's it's only available to the select few who were genetically endowed with that ability it can be trained right? Just like any skill, it can be trained. And just like any skill, there's also a mindset component. So what I wanted to talk about are three rare abilities of high-performing professionals, right? And this is for you if, like, for example, you've ever felt frustrated with your performance at work, or if you've ever worked with someone who you really admired, you felt that they were a superstar, and they seemed to get all the praise, you know, they seemed to get so much done in such a short period of time, and it was it's actually quite shocking to you, and they seem to be able to do it all, and you wonder, how do they pull it off, right? And the question comes, like, are they born with those abilities, or do they pay a lot of money 
to go to the best schools or the best trainers or hire the best coaches to develop it. Right. And this is interesting. These questions are interesting to me as well, since my, my background is in, is in neuroscience and I've, I've, I have a really keen interest in studying the concept of high performance. Right. And so before I continue, let me define what it means to me. High performance means that you are reaching and sustaining a high level of success in work compared to everyone else. But it doesn't mean that high performers don't experience failure or setbacks. That's not true. It's on the contrary. They may experience more failures and setbacks because of how many different career activities or how many different business activities that they engage in. And also because of the high risk level of each activity, right? They're willing to take more risks and they're willing to take their experiences out into the real world. And when you do that, as soon as you cross that line from practice to putting it into the real world, there is more risk at it. And the risk comes from knowing that when you put your skills out into the real world, the skills that you've developed, you put it into the real world, there are real consequences to failure, right? So high performers realize that, and yet they act anyway out of courage and out of knowing that they need to get that message out there, out of feeling inspired action to do so. And so high performers have these common characteristics, you know, for example, perseverance, resilience, ambition, they're action takers, and so on, right? We, I mean, common sense shows us that, well, yeah, you kind of need these things in order to be a high performer. And those are obvious, right? But in my studies of high performers, I found that there are certain key abilities that are unique to high performers that allow them to amass great wealth and success earlier in their careers or in their vocation or in their business, right? And these are the, and it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not, of course, I'm not talking about the savants who were genetically endowed. I'm talking about your everyday people who've amassed great success earlier on, right? They have these unique key, certain key abilities. And these abilities that I'm talking about are less commonly discussed and they're not so obvious, right? So I'm going to give you what I'm going to tell you these, I'm going to give these to you and I'm going to go into, I'm going to explain them a little bit for you. So here's my list of three abilities every high performing professional possesses and why it has given them an unfair advantage. Okay, so the first one is that they have an ability to simplify. I mean, you may have discovered time and time again that there will always be more things that you want to do that you have time for, right? And that you have resources available to do them. Sometimes you want to do things, but you don't have resources to carry it through. Sometimes you want to do things, but you don't have the time, right? And simplifying means that you're creating the physical, the emotional, the intellectual, and the financial space to do only the things that are important. So how do you know what's important? I mean, these are the things that bring you joy. They align with your purpose. They make you profit or a combination of these. And yes, I mentioned they make you profit, right? And that's not a selfish thing. Making a profit means that you're adding value in the world. It's the only way, it's the only way that you can have that fair exchange of earning an income or generating a revenue. And the greater your revenue is, is because you're adding more value in the world. So making profit is what's important because it means that the value you bring is necessary to enhance another person's or a group of people's lives. So the act of simplifying is not challenging, right? Simplifying itself is not challenging. What's challenging is our perception of what it means to be cutting things out of our life. So once we get once we get past that and when we bring it back to what's real and true, then simplifying becomes a gift that we give ourselves. 
right? And so there's this quote by Mark Twain, you know, if I had more time, I would write a shorter letter. So ironically, it takes time to simplify communications, but only in the beginning. So I'm going to ta- share something with you, and I want you to consider this. When you know your material so well, you've learned the language around the subject matter, and you're fluent in talking about it, then you are able to explain it to an eight-year-old using simple language. So the ability to simplify language improves communication because it becomes more accessible when it's succinct. And when your communication improves, so does your ability to coordinate action with other people, which is fundamental for effective team building and management. Another thing about communication is that communication is key. You're coordinating action with other people, but it's also what puts you in a higher earning earning potential. And let me illustrate what I mean by that. If you think about the workforce, the industry marketplace, there are people who get paid minimum wage or just above minimum wage. And you look at the nature of their job function, the nature of the work that they do, they are using their muscles, right? They're using their muscles. And that's like physical labor, right? Physical labor, using your muscles. If you're in the trenches, like if you take a, for example, if you look at a hotel, the service providers of the hotel, they are extremely important to that business. Without them, the hotel wouldn't function. And yet, they are the lower paying range of the entire enterprise of hotel management. And why is that? It's because they are working and they're using their muscle. Right? So when you're using your communication, when you're using your skill of communication, you're also using your mind, you're also using a connection you have with another person to cause them to take the inspired action they need to change their life. That is not muscular. It's outside of the physical muscular realm. It goes into more of a spiritual realm. Because when you're communicating with someone, you are connecting with them at a deeper level that perhaps is bigger than yourself. And when you do that well, it requires you to be able to simplify and it requires you to be able to be succinct. But it also requires you to know what you're talking about so well that subject matter so well that you're able to move them into action or change or shift their beliefs. And so at that level, when you're operating at that level, that's when you can add the most value and you're working at your fullest potential. And when you add the most value out there, that's when you have the fair exchange, right? And the other thing is that simplicity, you know, simple ideas stick. They stay in our minds for the longer term, especially if it is also an idea that has a visual factor attached to it. So simple ideas are more likely to be shared and they link back to the high performer that created it. So it compounds over time. So that's the first ability, is the ability to simplify in communication so you can coordinate action with other people. The second ability, that's not so obvious, in the high performer, is the ability to organize knowledge. Let's face it, I mean, there is an overabundance of knowledge everywhere. Knowledge is so accessible, it's generally inexpensive to acquire, and it satisfies a basic human thirst, right? We all want to gather knowledge. I mean, I always say that there's four domains of knowledge. There is the things that you know you know, right? So you have an awareness that you have that knowledge. There are the things that you know you don't know, which means that you have an awareness of a certain area that you don't have knowledge of, right? There are things that you don't know that you don't know. So in other words, in this realm of things you don't know, you're not even aware of it. And finally, there are the unknowables, which are things that you couldn't possibly know. And the key shift happens 
the key shift happens in the domain of the things where you don't know you don't know it. Right? Because if you if you know if you're aware that you don't know something, human psychology says that we desire to know it and so we seek that knowledge, especially the more curious we are. And of course I'm not fa- I'm not factoring anything like laziness or procrastination. I'm just saying generally humans desire to acquire that knowledge. You're aware you don't know something, so therefore you want to acquire that knowledge. You want to move from you know you know and if you know you don't know something, you want to shift that into okay, now I know it. Right? So but and knowledge is so easy to acquire. Not just with Google, but with all these online courses you can take, communications with other people that you can reach out to across the world, acquiring knowledge is so many ways of doing it. And there's nothing wrong with <clears throat> excuse me, there's nothing wrong with accumulating huge vats of knowledge. But it, but in the context of high performance in your career or in your vocation, knowledge itself is useless if it doesn't produce an outcome. And the desired outcome is usually income, right? So we're wanting to acquire knowledge because we want to develop that knowledge into skills, hone those skills through practice, and therefore we become highly skilled at it. And then we bring it to the real world and produce an income from it. So that's the process we want to go through. That's the desired outcome. And so high performers appear to have unlimited amounts of knowledge about so many different things, and they can recall it with only a moment's notice. But the key to their achievement is not about having a ton of knowledge. Although many of them do, right? Of course, because they are well-read, they are their thirst for knowledge is insatiable. Right? But the key to their achievement is not that they have a ton of knowledge. It's about how they organize their knowledge into mental representations. Here's what I mean by that. Mental representations are patterns of information that are held in the long-term memory. And when you have these memories, these patterns in your long-term memory, you're, they're there for you and you can access them. And when you access them, you, that's how you can respond quickly and effectively in certain types of situations. And the details can differ, of course, dramatically from field to field and depending on your time and situation. But the mental representations allow you to recall them very quickly when you need it, when, this, when the time comes. So let me give you an example. If you have ever had the pleasure of watching a chess match where there are the best of the best, the grandmasters in chess playing a game, it is amazing to see. It is a work of art. It is a science. It is the best strategy that you can see. You can watch this and it, it is really, it's really quite fascinating. But if you look at, if you study how grandmasters become grandmasters, it is about repetition, yes. So they do spend a lot of time practicing, playing games, right? But that's not all. A grandmaster in chess spends about 10 years of practice specifically analyzing the position of chess pieces during a game so that they're able to recognize the patterns of chess pieces. And not just their positions, but the interactions among them. Right. So they will study a chess board mid-game, for example. They would look at both of the opponents, the chess pieces arranged. So it's a real game, mid, midway through a game, and they would study the chess pieces. And in doing so, they develop more and more representations on what these pieces look like on a board. And over time, with that, with the increasing their mental representations of possible positions of each chess piece, 
what they're doing is they're training themselves to be able to see 10 moves out and 10 moves back. That's the power of mental representations. And when you have them, you can recall because then you recognize patterns. Say, let's say the grandmaster is in a real game now and, you know, and a few, several minutes go by and now they're mid game. When they have this high degree, high level and so many mental representations, it's going to look familiar to them. And they're going to know what to do because they've studied this before. They recognize patterns that they've studied before and they've stored away in their long-term memory. So high performers use these mental representations, which allow them to recognize patterns that they're likely going to encounter in their fields. And what they do, what they're really doing is synthesizing into big picture and granular details, all the levels in between. They're synthesizing it, everything. So what they're doing is they're switching to a system of pattern recognition. When you, oh, sorry. So when you switch to, when you switch to a pattern, like a system of pattern recognition, pattern recognition is important because it frees up your mental bandwidth when you're making decisions. And the reason why it does that is because then you don't have to spend a lot of time running through every minutiae of possibilities. So when you, so it's a way of systematizing your knowledge by recognizing patterns, systems of patterns. And all you have to do is recognize a pattern. I've seen this before, right? Instead of if you haven't, let's say you've never done that, you don't have these patterns built up in your, in your long-term memory. Then what you would have to do if you're, if you're the chess player is you kind of spend a lot of mental bandwidth making decisions with each move. Right? And that's a lot of time because you've got to look at every single minutia of details, every possibility on that chessboard. And it takes a lot of time before you move, before you decide which, which, which move you're going to make on, on the chessboard. And that's what happens in every situation, not just in chess. If you didn't take the time to build that system of, of pattern recognition, then you're going to have to be reactive in the moment. Right? And that takes a lot of bandwidth and a lot of time as well to decide what's going to happen. And that is also what causes indecision as well. One, one cause of indecision is because you have to spend copious time, lots of time running through all the different possibilities, running through all the different uh, consequences. So the ability to organize knowledge in this highly sophisticated manner, it allows you to recall information a lot easier. Right? And if you think about it, it's a continuous forward cycle. Once you acquire more knowledge in different fields, then you improve your speed of learning because you begin to recognize patterns across fields. Right? And once you recognize patterns across fields, then you begin to see that many problems start to look the same and they start to have the same problems. Right? And you just get better and better at decision making and problem solving. Right? So that is one of the key things about being a high-performing prof- professional, the ability to organize knowledge into systems of patterns. So that's number two. The third one, number three, the third rare ability of high-performing professionals is the ability to transfer new learning. So what do I mean by that? Transferring new learning means taking what you learn in one context and applying it to another and of course, it, it can be just one small kernel of what we learn in school, and then you apply it to the real world. That's one example. But it, calls, it could also mean you're taking what you learn in one field and applying it to another. 
just transferring that kernel or that nugget of knowledge into a different field, a different industry, a different world, and making it work in that new world. That's transfer, that's transfer, learning transfer. And so this ability of transferring new learning, it actually follows from the previous one of organizing knowledge, right? So high performers, they're capable of the highest level of learning. The highest level of learning is principle-based learning. Principles-based learning is the highest level of learning. And most people, when they go to school, they look for the tactics, right? What, what, how do I answer, how do I solve this problem for the test? Or how do I solve this problem for the exam? And then they look for equations if it's math, or they look for the certain pieces of information that they have to memorize and regurgitate later on, right? So those are, that's like tactical or at most strategic level of learning and application. But the highest level of learning is principles-based Principles are the laws that govern how things work, right? Principles are the things that cause all of our strategies and tactics to work so that we can have the outcomes that we desire in the future. So one example of a principle is that time is infinitely more valuable than money. That's a principle. So if we value our time and our thoughts and all of our actions, then we can find the leverage we need to make more money, right? And so high-performing professionals, they identify fundamental principles in everything they learn. And when you do that, when you approach it from principle-based learning, it gives them insights into how it can be applied to different situations by reorganizing their knowledge in new ways. Let me give you an example of this in action. I'm, I am actually, my first language was actually Chinese. It was not English. So when I started to learn English, I was already in grade school, you know, grade one, two, grade three, and I had to learn English from a teacher who taught me English as a second language, you know, but the way that I learned English was very principles based. So what that means is that I can take a look at a sentence in English and I can break it down to this is the subject, you know, that's the noun, this is the verb, it's, this is the predicate, that's the article, this is the subject of the verb, this is the, the pronoun, these are the adverbs, and I can tell you exactly what the tense is, present tense, past tense subjunctive tense. And I can look at a word and tell you what word it is. Is it a, is it a pronoun? Is it a possessive pronoun? And the same thing is true with all the grammatical structures and all of the punctuation. When to use a comma, when to use a semicolon, when to use a colon, when to use an apostrophe and when not to. And those are all the principles of English, knowing why that is. And so I'm able to break down a sentence and construct a sentence that way. And so my English is very proper as a result. And my grammar is very proper. It's very accurate as a result. And when I read other people's work, I can always pick up on mistakes in grammar or punctuation or capitalization because I study the laws of English. And that's how I had to learn. And compared to a native speaker, for example, who grew up, with English-speaking parents and they just grew up speaking English, what they would say is that they know whether grammar and a certain sentence has the correct grammar just by reading it out loud or reading it to themselves. And if it sounds right, then it's probably right. right? They go by a feeling or an intuition or, or a sound, right? The problem with that is English has evolved over the years and there's a lot more colloquialisms and slangs that are invented and those begin to sound right but it doesn't mean that it's correct grammatically or that the definitions are proper, 
And so that's one problem. And the other problem is their knowledge of English does not transfer to learning a different language because they didn't study English principles-based. They studied it through tactics, right? So they learned English since birth, and then the way they got better at it was simply by immersion, by speaking at a home and with their friends. So everyone's in the same boat and they're learning English the same way. And that is tactical because if they, when they start to learn English, they say certain things. If they don't, if others don't understand it, they just keep trying different tactics until it lands. And that's how a lot of people learn English. And so because I've studied principles-based English, it translates, transfers that, I can transfer that learning into learning a different language. And so I've gone on and I've become, I've been able to learn French and Spanish, you know, and um, I've, I also understand Italian and, and I could read Portuguese, right? Because I understand those principles of Latin-based language. And English is Latin-based. All of these European languages are also Latin-based. They have roots in Latin. And so that allows me to be able to speak those languages and learn them properly. Right? And I can also go on and break down those sentences as well. If I were to put a sentence in the present tense and then they want me to put it in the past tense, right? I have the principles to be able to do so. And I can learn languages quite quickly. Right? It only took me two years to become fluent in Spanish, for example. And that's the power of principle-based learning. It's the highest level of learning. And it allows you to transfer new learning into a new field and applying it to another. And so all of this is possible because high performers are not a prisoner to their identity. I mean, they can hold conflicting, contradictory, and even paradoxical thoughts simultaneously in their mind. They're not a prisoner to their identity. They don't have to be politically correct, for example. And this is the highest dimension of critical thinking. When you can hold thoughts in your mind simultaneously that contradict each other, Right? that are paradoxical to each other and you can hold them in there. And, and the reason why you can do that is because you are not stuck either way. Your, your identity is fluid, right? It doesn't, it's not tied to your identity. And that is the highest dimension of critical thinking. It allows you to think outside of yourself. It allows you to adopt to information you received outside of you or from other people. It allows you to be a better listener. It allows you to be a better learner. And it also allows you to think about things, concepts, and ideas that you never heard before. And so over the years, you know, high-performing professionals, they've built up a reservoir of mental representations and principles that they've taught themselves how to adapt to different fields so that they can go into a field they've never learned before and quickly amass success through making unique contributions. Right? So this is an art, and there is an art to learning. There's an art to developing skills. There's an art to putting those skills out into the real world. And these three abilities, you know, that is the ability to simplify in communication so that you can coordinate new knowledge, coordinate action with other people. Second one is the ability to organize knowledge. And the third one is to the ability to transfer new learning and applying it to another field. Those three abilities are key to becoming a high-performing professional. 
So that's what I wanted to share with you in today's episode of Career Revisionist. If you enjoyed that, I invite you to give me a review on Apple iTunes. And if, of course, if you don't use Apple, if you prefer a different platform, just go to careerrevisionist.com slash podcast. There I have listed all the various platforms that I'm a part of, including Spotify and Google Podcasts. Just pick one that is reson- that you resonate with. Leave me a review as well. Your reviews are very important to you. And if you know someone who could benefit from this content, share it with them, you know, because sharing is caring. Just share it with them and have them connect with me as well. And if you want to learn more, if you want to learn more, if you want to learn more principles of career development, if you want to learn principles of how to succeed in a new field in your career, I invite you to my four-day training. So just go to careerrevisionist.com slash four-day training. I'll put that link as well in the show notes below, and that will teach you where you can learn some principles of career development. Thank you once again for listening to this episode and I look forward to hanging out with you in the next one.